Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I am uh, very grateful that you have joined us here today. Um, you know, I am going to go ahead and share this very quickly. Uh, I'm sure that I'll share this again and again and again as I process the information. I've already shared it with my guest. My guest is Ana Marie Vasquez. She is going to share with us her work uh, with a book that she has out called Nature. Divine Experiences with Trees, Plants, Stones, and Landscape. And I'm sure that it is actually going beyond that as well. The flora and the fauna. Um, and we're going to talk with her about uh, this wonderful book, Nature. Uh, and uh, she is an intuitive, but uh, I want to share with you something that uh, I think that it's important. Um, I have shared so much of my life in my interviews in the 40 plus years that I have been doing this work that it's hard for me not to. I just experienced for the first time in my life, and I knew it was coming because it's the natural order of things. Speaking of nature, that I have a sibling, my eldest sister, Jeanette, who has passed. Uh, if, if I, if I want to be true to Bernie Siegel, when I had him on the program talking about his wife who died, then I will do that. Bernie, she died. My wife, my, my, uh, my sister's Jeanette died. Uh, only because Bernie, uh, um, Anna Marie, he, uh, he kind of, kind of got on my case when I used transitioning. He says, what's wrong with using death? They died. It's okay to say dead and dying, you know? So. <laughs> I love Bernie. You gotta love him. <laughs> he is a beautiful man. And I hope to have him back on again before he dies. Um, you know, <laughs> Uh, but he will live on in the interviews that we've done with he and his grandson, too. We had him on. But um, it's funny how, uh, and we talked a little bit about this, uh, I did anyway, uh, with someone else, in regards to the emotions that we go through. Yes, this, the grieving process is very complex, it has been said. And I'm sitting here uh, literally less than a half hour from being given this news and um, some would say, well, then why are you doing the interview? You, you, you shouldn't be, you should be heading for Phoenix. It's like, and, and I would do what? What would I do there? You know, I would hang out and what? Yeah, you'd be there. Hey, they know that my heart is with them and with my sister who has, who is now freed. Um, my going there now, now I will go for the funeral, whatever the ceremony is to remember the wonderful life that she had and what she gave to all of us. Um, but I just felt it important. And I think this ties in really well with what we're going to talk about here on the program. And that, uh, again, the universe asks the questions, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just along for the, for the ride. So keep that in mind. I say that on almost every program. Uh, so uh, we're going to talk with Ana Marie Vasquez about nature. We're going to talk to her about the natural world and the natural processes that we go through. And that, when, and maybe this is the reason why I'm not emoting. I'm not hearing tears, the wet cheeks and all of this stuff. And I got to wipe my beard because I, I said, because I have made peace with the concept. If it were my time today to go, I'm ready. Do I want to go today? No, because I got a lot I want to do. But I don't have any control over that. Not really. And so the same with my sister. She had no control over that. 
Um, yes, I agree. We all sign a contract before we come into this world to have the experiences uh, as she did. But you know what? As I shared with my baby sister Mary, we live. We were all. We all chose to come into this family, and it's sort of, kind of Norman Rockwellish. We had our squabbles and our stuff going on. But the one thing that I, um, I can honestly say is, and again, this is from my knowledge base, Anna Marie, none of us, the eight of us, never, never estranged to this day. To the best of my knowledge, there is no estrangement. Separation? Sure. That's just the natural order of things when kids grow up, turn 18, 21. I did irritate my sisters quite severely when I was 21. I was the first one to move out and not my older sister. So you can, I'm sure, appreciate that. Thank you for letting me share that. And thank you for joining us on the program. It's so, it's such an honor and it has another level, right? Because of what's going on. And I feel like it, it's just perfect, right? Like it is what it is. Yeah. Like you said, there's a natural order that's happening. And I feel like, again, it, it's perfect. I know in my own life, I take everything out to nature, right? The good, the bad, the ugly. The first place, you know, some people call their friends or their spouse. I, the first thing I do is run up to the trees, go sit on a rock. And that it, there's the nature aspect, but then there's what's going on beyond that, right? The energetics and the way that the trees can hold for us and ground and give us a different perspective even, right? Like they've been around for, you know, the, the ponderosa pines I'm looking at here, several hundred years. And so they know our human experience even better than we know our human experience and nature gets the cycle of life in a way that we humans, we struggle with it, even though we know no one's getting out of here alive. <laughs> it's, it's how it happens, but we really struggle. Our humanness does not like that aspect of change. Well, when I got the call this morning, my sister opened the conversation up, obviously, with hello, and she sounded sad uh, a little bit. And uh, then she said, I've got some bad news. And I thought she was going to tell me that my 90-year-old father had passed because uh, I was sort of half expecting that. But... <laughs> My father has made the statement, apparently, this is my sister repeating this to me, made the statement to my mother, you know what, I'm ready to go. To which my mother says, okay, so what are you going to die of? Because apparently, aside from his uh, uh, instability and his hearing and his eyesight, he's basically healthy as a horse. So <laughs> she says, what are you going to die of? <laughs> and I love that. Uh, I was there at Christmas. I stayed with him. And, yeah, I could see he was not happy because his physical body just wasn't allowing him to do the things maybe he did at 17. I still feel 17 inside, okay? Um, but there's two things you said. Number one, you quoted my father, but he prefaced it by saying, eat, drink, and be merry in moderation because nobody gets out of this world alive. The second thing I want to say that I have said is about nature, and I want you to talk about this. You've already alluded to it some. Nature is our greatest teacher. That piece about 
remembering really, right? Because we know we're infinite beings. We don't have to learn anything, but we have a lot to remember because we have forgotten and we are nature. That's why it works to go out into nature. There is these aspects of the biology, right? The physiology, negative ions that we're being filled with, the the aerosols that we take in from the trees and the plants, all of that. But then there's a deeper aspect where we start to step into that unity consciousness of that's an energetic being, I'm an energetic being, wherever two or more are gathered, there's this amplification. And so I can go and what I've learned is to be very honest, right? Like don't be rainbow, unicorn, Pollyanna. We gotta be real, right? Like, and, and you were the perfect example of that, right? I just got this news. I should be crying for whatever reason. That's not the emotion that's up. Yeah. And so when I go to the trees, the first thing I tell them is this is what's going on for me. And this is how I feel about it, right? Like this is my humanness here. I'm, I'm pissy about it or I'm angry or I'm mad or I'm whatever. <laughs> but then I go into, but that's not the truth of who I am. Yeah. Who I truly be or what I'm really trying to call in is this. But we have to transmute those other energies. Otherwise you're trying to build this new future on a broken past. And so bringing our true self, bringing our authentic self, whatever's up in the moment, because like the weather, at least the weather here in Colorado is going to change in five minutes, right? Like don't get too attached to that. And I feel that the natural world reminds us of that. And when we're out there, you know, there's trees that are standing, there's trees that are falling, there's rocks all over the place. There's not, it's not about being perfect. It's about just showing up. And when we show up, that's when the messages can come through. And those messages we need to listen to. Now, I usually start the program by telling our listeners and viewers where they can listen to and watch this program, Tell Me Your Story. Um, I talk about how they can support the work that we're doing financially. I also talk about asking. I'm asking them to participate. I'm asking you, the listener and the viewer, to participate in something that you just talked about, Anna Marie. The decade of perfect vision, where we go within, and we spend time listening to that still, small voice. And what's real interesting is the still, small voice says to me right now, you know what, if you got a lump in your throat, it's okay. If your eyes are a little wet, it's okay. You know, and again, I'm going to say, yes, those both exist right now, this moment, as we're talking. And then I'm sitting in the intellect is going, why? Why is that? Why is that? Ha- what, what's causing that? You know, <laughs> and it's OK. You know, and, and, and there was a phrase shared in the personal growth and development program that I went through back in the 80s called Life Spring. And even in nine, in the 90s when I went through a program called Omega Vector and Delta Vector. It was founded in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, the phrase was, give up the need to know why. And that's a tough one. And every time, for example, um, let's just say my wife really loves corn. All right? On the cob, in the pot steaming doesn't matter. I don't know why I like corn, you know, but, and I said, it doesn't matter. The fact is you like it. Enjoy. 
Give up the need to know why because it doesn't matter. And even if you knew the reason why you like corn, okay, even if you knew, it doesn't change a thing. Why my eyes are wet? Why I have a lump in my throat? Now, I can certainly say why, certainly, because of the news. That may be part of it. Uh, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't change anything. And as a matter of fact, one of the experience, experiences that I had in these programs, Anna, Anna Marie, was when people would go back and revisit the traumas that created a lot of the blockages that they have, they would, they would be able to talk about the experience, all right? And then they would start to ask the question, why? Why this? Why that? Why the other? da 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 da, da. And here was what the facilitator would say, and it was a beautiful thing. And nature doesn't do this at all, but the, the facilitator would say, okay, let me ask you, before I, before I give you my reasons why, if you knew right now the reason why, you're asking the question, how would that change how you feel? How would that change how you feel? When we go into nature, Anna Marie, you talk about hugging a tree. We have a tree outside our, our cottage here in Santa Barbara. It is one tall pine tree. We run our wash water from the washing machine, and we use non-toxic detergents. We run our wash water as gray water down to that tree. And we've been doing it for 16 years which has helped that tree to just go nuts in terms of growth. We call him Ben. And he's like an anchor. Talk to us a little bit about finding those kinds of anchors in nature and the importance of that. Absolutely, that Ben. I love it, and I love that he made an appearance here. Right? That's so great. What an honoring way for for us to do that. And it's really about following, right? The nudges when when you go out into a forest. We don't know why we're drawn to a particular tree or a particular rock or or lakeside or or whatever it is. And and again, it's that lower mind trying to get an answer. When if we would just lean into it and follow we can step into some pretty profound experiences. I'm thinking about your pine tree, Ben, and this is true for, for any tree, but you know the drip line of a tree, right? Like if the rain is falling and it comes to the edge of the tree, oh, you're gonna yeah, see yeah. The, the drip line, right? Well, for a tree, the drip line is essentially that tree's auric field. So when we interact with a tree, just like when we interact with another human, the auric field expands. But if we're just trying to make that connection, right? Like you could just, after this interview, you could go out and go under the drip line of Ben and you'll already be in his energetic field. And that, you know, that support, it's like being with a friend, right? When we're with someone, whether they're talking to us, whether they're not, but their presence, we feel that and we feel that heart connection. And that's what we're experiencing with the tree and we know it's more it's beautiful right if we step back and look at a tree but there's an intimacy then that we engage with when we come into that tree's auric field 
And I'm a big one about asking permission, right? Like I just don't walk up to strangers and start, you know, and I know some people do that, but, <laughs> but we typically ask. And so I like to ask permission in nature before I do things, before I sit on a rock, before I take a rock, before I interact with a tree. Because what the trees have told me is we're, we're kind of like toddlers as humans. We're really super cute, but we have no boundaries, right? And we don't mind our manners. And so we are always doing. So I always like to ask. And of course, you know, my intuitive channels are absolutely lit up. But other people say, well, I can't hear a tree talking to me yet. So how would I know if the tree or a rock says yes or no? And you do it by feeling, right? You ask the tree, can I interact with you? And you'll either feel lighter, which is a yes, or you'll feel heavier or even like kind of pushed back. And, and it's not to take it personal, right? Like just like all of us, we got stuff going on. The tree's got their own ecosystem going on. But more often than not, you're going to get that yes. And then there's the trees like Ben, you already have a relationship with Ben, so you can just head on out. He already knows what's going on and they can help to transmute, help us feel and ground in because it's not that we're trying to not feel these things. That's the way through it, right? The only way through it is through it. And so to feel it and an emotion only lasts for 90 seconds unless we feed it the story or unless we resist it. But if we're in a moment and it's like, Oh my gosh, I feel this joy. I'm just going to smile and laugh knowing in the next 90 seconds, I, I could, I could have the lump. I could feel teary, but to be present and honor that and to have that tree or that rock or that lake or that mountain to witness it, right? Like they're part of our allies and they're there for these things, right? For transmutation, but for us to create the world, the life that we're looking to create, right? Full of connection and depth. Mm -hmm. That's where they can help us because we're then we're into harmonics and frequencies and amplification of what we're putting out and what we're calling in. So I like to say there's so much more going on than meets the eye and you'll never go into nature again the same way. No, no, you won't. Nature Intuitive Ana Maria Vasquez leads us into the landscape of remembrance, the era of which ancient teachings have spoken to her. In her first book, Nature, Divine Experiences with Trees, Plants, Stones, and Landscape. And the third book in her Common Sense book series. And we're going to continue talking with her as we continue talking here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And it's such a pleasure to have with us here on the program Ana Maria Vasquez, author of Nature. Again, the, web, the website, by the way, I want to give that out. Uh, it's rather interesting. We'll talk about that as well as we continue. It's intentiontraining.com. Intentiontraining.com. We will be linked to that website, uh, Anna Marie, so that people can find out more about you and the book, Nature, Divine Experiences with Trees, Plants, Stones, and Landscape. Well, we we are all natural creatures, whether we whether we acknowledge it or not, um, because of the way we came into this world. Um, but somehow we have forgotten. We have forgotten our connection. So let's talk a little bit about understanding the natural world. Yeah, that, that forgetfulness piece, right? Like 
we used to all be tribal people. We all lived in tribes. We were outside in nature. And there's that 3D logistical aspect of needing to be connected for your own survival, right? Like you you tuned in, not because you're trying to have this mystical experience, but because you were trying to not die. <laughs> and so as soon as we moved out of the forest, so to speak, things began to shift for us. And that forgetfulness started to set in, right? Like now we have beautiful homes, but we're in, we're in that immersed in that synthetic environment. And we also know that what we physically see is only like less than 1% of the spectrum of what's really going on. And so even just waves, radio waves, microwaves, uh, cell tower waves, those are all affecting us all the time. And, and that actually adds to our forgetfulness, right? We start to become more of our synthetic environment. And so we have to sometimes be reminded to go back out because not only did our ancestors connect with the the natural realm for direction in in survival they did especially the medicine men and the the medicine women would be in the listening for their tribe for their community and that's where we've forgotten right like we we aren't the dreamers we aren't those folks that are connected and we need to have that more right i'm a big proponent of having you know, somebody in each family, in each community who is connected and who is listening and who is tapped in and feeling what is being shared from the natural world, right? Like we just passed the spring equinox and there's actually a physical thing happening at that time when the equinox or a solstice happens, the earth herself is emitting a new set of information of frequencies harmonics that have been measured and it gives direction to all of the natural world this is what we're doing now it's like the director this is the scene here's spring you know go be fruitful and as humans it's a subtle energy but we receive that too and it's a reminder for us to be in our natural rhythm, to be in those cycles, right? And I'm, I'm thinking of that song by the birds, you know, turn, turn, turn. There's a time for everything. And I feel like that hits exactly right with what you're going through too, right? There's going to be a time to be sad. There's going to be a time to celebrate her life. There's going to be a time to look back on memories. And I have to tell you, I just had full body chills right then as that song is playing in my head. Um, and, and we honor that and we just show up, right? For that. And we just keep saying yes. And if there's something we don't like, then we want to be clear about why and what it brings up for us and then start to call in something else. And that's where that natural realm, right? Like even just going for a walk in the woods, going down by the creek, it allows us to transcend that thinking mind, right? That wants to know. And and for what purpose, right? Like you said, it's not gonna change anything. And we really are just being asked to be in the moment, in the present. And that's where I feel like nature holds us so well because there's nothing else other than that happening in nature in the moment. Yes. At the time. 
We're talking with Ana Marie Vasquez. Her book is called Nature. We hope that you will pick up a copy of that book by going to her website, intentiontraining.com. Intentiontraining.com will be linked to that website as well, and we continue on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, it's a beautiful thing to be talking about nature. I wish that we were both sitting in nature, okay? I could put up a background that sort of looks like the natural world, but it isn't. It's uh, a virtual. Um, but I have done some interviews at the beach with the, ocean, uh, with the waves crashing in and so forth, and it was a lot of fun to do that. Uh, I've actually, uh, it wasn't exactly in nature, but it was close. I was on the water. Uh, I was at the, in the lower levels of a yacht uh, in conducting an interview. So we were actually sitting on the water. I love the water. That's why I'm here in Santa Barbara. I, I knew I needed to be uh, near the water, uh, but I didn't know where I was going to wind up. It could have been the East Coast. Uh, could have been further north or south, what have you. But here I am in Santa Barbara where we're facing south. It's very funny in that respect. It's like, no, 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 no. We need to turn this, uh, this whole thing. It's got to face west. That's the way it's supposed to be. But anyway, uh, nature is the way nature is. Another aspect of, of nature <clears throat> in regarding understanding, we put these labels, these phrases on nature. Uh, we'll watch these documentaries, The Wild Kingdom, you know, and and and... What we see is predator and prey. But the natural world, if we could tap into their thoughts, doesn't see it that way. The natural world, as you just described, sees it as, this is just what it is. This is just what is. And the antelope that's being chased by the lion, and then taken down by the lion, and then killed by the lion... The antelope knows its role. The antelope knows what the risks are and so forth. Now, I don't know if the antelope has fear, honestly, uh, or if the lion has, uh, no pun intended, pride, uh, accomplishment, you know, I did it, you know, I, I killed this antelope, you know, and it's mine, and you stay away. Uh, all, the, all they know is, um, I can't outrun this lion. I'm going down. I'm going to pass on to the next realm. And the lion is, I'm hungry and I need to eat meat. And this is the only way I know to do it. And there's another element here. There's no judgment. It just is what it is. That's an aspect of nature that I think we kind of find hard to accept. I know that my wife, who is an avid, oh my God, if all she had around her were animals, she would be just a happy clam, as it were, uh, does not like watching the kind of nature shows where you see a polar bear killing a seal or whatever it might be, the natural part of, you know, even though she knows, yes, this is the way it is, does not like to see that. Oh, the poor seal or the poor antelope. I get that. You know, certainly my, my heart goes out. But what are you going to do? So let's talk a little bit about that duality that doesn't exist in the natural world. Right. Yeah, well, you know, being an animal in nature intuitive, I have talked to animals and trees and rocks about all sorts of these different aspects, right, of, of a process. And what I've really heard back is they get the circle of life part, right? Like mm -hmm. eat, be eaten, it all, it all is in that cycle. 
What they don't understand from the humans is, you know, we've got some weird ways, right? In the way that we may not be the most humane in taking an animal's life or, or the way that it was cared for during its life. So that, and I've heard this from trees too, where they get, right? Like I think about the giving tree, they get that they provide fuel and resources and stuff, but there are times I, I'm thinking of people who have topped off trees to improve their view, right? Yeah. Like they don't, they don't understand that kind of stuff, right? That's very different than you needed to keep warm, right? Or you needed to cook your food. And so it really is about bringing a consciousness, right? Like mm. a, as a high sensitive, as an empath, I don't like watching the eating part either, right? Of in those, uh, those shows, but it, Again, I understand the cycle. I don't have to see it to know that it's happening mm -hmm. or that it happened. And, you know, it, it can stick with me a little bit longer. So I do, you know, modulate how much of that I'm taking in. But it's more about bringing a consciousness, right? So if you have to, you know, cut down a tree for some reason. And, and, and in the state of the world that we are, we should really try not to cut down any trees at right. this point, right. especially old growth ones. But if we have to, right, like... It's what we have to do and we can be present and be honest about that. People contact me to uh, talk about their trees like on their property, right? Like one, they don't know if one is sick or diseased or how is this gonna affect the other trees? So again, it, it goes to a whole nother level of bringing consciousness to everything that we do. And is there a way that we can live and have a lighter impact, right? Like maybe our driveway doesn't have to be right through that little grove of trees. Maybe we could go around it or something to that effect. But again, it's about being more conscious about what we're doing, why we're doing it and how we're doing it. Because as the animals at the top of the food chain, one of our greatest gifts is conscious thought. And that makes a huge difference. And if anything, that's where our forgetfulness has gotten us and gotten us into trouble. So it's not that we have to do everything different and, you know, we, we can't, you know, do the things we've always done or enjoyed, but we want to do it with a new level of consciousness. It's not what you do or don't do, but it's the energy that's behind it. And I think that's the biggest thing I've learned from nature. What's the energy that's behind it? We are talking right now with uh, a beautiful woman who has uh, shared with us some incredible things. Uh, there's a particular group of people, and you actually kind of look sort of a little bit like those people, uh, who are indigenous, who have been connected to the earth, to nature for centuries, uh, that Unfortunately, we haven't listened to as much as we should. Uh, we wouldn't have the problems that we have today if we had been listening to them as we should. And uh, they are the Native Americans. I uh, have had a DNA test, and I, thought, I was hoping that I'd have a greater percentage of Irish. <laughs> but I did not know, did not know, that I have a rather large percentage of Native American both North, Central, and South American blood. And I used to, being born and raised in Phoenix and being exposed to the different tribes that were in Arizona, I kept an arm's length. I, I, I you know, I, I, I don't want to intrude. I, I don't want to intrude because that's their stuff, okay? 
uh, and not them and us, but it, that's that's sacred to them. All right. So I need to. And then I found out, oh, wait a minute. I'm them. I'm part of them. You know, not just as a human is the human race, but the DNA. And I thought, wow, OK, this the, uh, I now I've got to I've got to figure this out. Uh, and, and how do I connect? And I have to tell you that I had a wonderful interview with here locally, a Chumash Indian. And in our interview, he shared with me, he said to me, Richard, but also to the other citizens of Santa Barbara County and so forth. He says, Richard, you are the new Chumash. You are to carry that on. And, of course, our interview is focused primarily on uh, the Chumash uh, medicine, if you will, the traditions and rituals. Uh, I asked him about, uh, there was a time during an earlier drought years ago, uh, decades ago, uh, where they actually had the Indians do a, a rain dance. And he says, yes, uh, sure, we could, we could, because here we are again in a drought. And he says, sure, we could do that again. But what you need to understand is there's always a price to pay. If you bring the rain to your area, you are, in a manner of speaking, taking it from another. And as we've gone through the rainy and the drought and the rainy and the drought, and we just got a huge downpour for the first time in this month. It was going to be the driest month. Uh, we didn't have much of anything, I think, in January or February. And then boom, and we had we got four inches up at our house, four inches in a couple of days. Um, but um, I look at it from this standpoint and I look at nature. I, I said, OK, uh, a couple of years ago, we were getting regular rains. Great stuff. And then, of course, we're getting the reports from down in Australia that Australia is on fire all over the place. Well, it was their turn. And before that, it was our turn. And then it's somebody else's turn. And it just, it moves around. And so we'll get the rains and we'll get the clear skies and the cool weather and we'll get the dry winds. And yes, the potential for all of that other stuff that I don't like to talk about. <laughs> but it's like, uh, you'll get your turn and we'll get ours. And it goes back and forth. Even if there is this whole aspect of climate change and I don't go there because I don't care about the science. I care about cleaning up our home. That's all I care about. It, the science is irrelevant, totally irrelevant. Uh, there are those here in California who are trying to get us off fossil fuels. And there's a group of people that are all bent out of shape over it because everything that we use is made from fossil fuels. We're not talking about not using fossil fuels for anything. We're talking about stopping the use of fossil fuels for our engines the vehicles that get us from point A to point B. It's okay if we continue to use uh, oil to make plastics and this and that and the other thing, but there's nothing wrong with the process of transitioning to something else. And it's like, my goodness, that people are so afraid to make that transition. Nature does not seem to have that problem because it gets transitioned on a regular basis. Uh, as I just described about how we all take our turn as far as the weather's concerned. Um, <clears throat> what have you picked up on from the animals, from nature, I guess I should say, and Mother Earth, if you will, in terms of 
each part, each region of the planet taking its turn. We, we wait in line. Nobody gets to get ahead of the line. It doesn't work that way. That's why I get so annoyed with people, whether they're in their cars or we're somewhere where there's a line and somebody goes ahead of us and that they were back there, you know. Uh, why, why can't you wait your turn? You know, you're going to get there, you know. Um, talk to us a little bit about nature's ability. I don't know if it's ability, if it's just innate, instinct, whatever it is, to take its turn. Yeah, it's really about balance, a natural balance of things. And and back to that bird song, there's a season for everything. And I think, you know, when we talk about indigenous wisdom, my family on my father's side is from Guatemala. And so we have Mayan ancestry um, there. We, Of course, Vasquez, we also have Spanish. And there's that piece, the mixing that has happened, but it's about balance and we talk about, you know, I was thinking about how you were saying that respect, that reverence that you had for traditions and, and ways and even feeling like maybe I shouldn't intrude and, yeah. and that's not my business. And there has been, right, across Indigenous tribes, my family's Mayan, but, but most of my um, teaching, learning, growing, training came from North American Indigenous tribes, uh, Navajo, Ute, um, Cheyenne, uh, those, and then the Midwest tribes, the Plains Indians. Uh, but there has been a secrecy to these traditions, but it, it's not from a, you can't know it's because the history has been when it was shared, it tried to be snuffed out, right? The powers that be were trying to obliterate it, get rid of it, get rid of them even as, as a people. Yeah. So everything had to go underground. It had to go into secret. And the elders, you know, for just even in the last 10, 20 years, talking with different elders and different tribes, I've seen a shift move from not wanting to share it and, and being very secretive and even, you know, very standoffish to the only way the humans are going to change the way that they do things, not just to nature, but to each other too, yeah. is if we remember this. And again, we're shifting from doing things to, right? Doing things to people, doing things to nature, doing things to animals, to being in collaboration, right? When we have more voices at the table, we can hear how things are impacting, right? Like when we realize something is being done to animals that we're not okay with, right? Well, what do we do? We vote with our dollars and, and we purchase from somebody who does it differently. Again, it's about balance. It's yeah. not about a list of do's and don'ts and thou shalt not, but it's about being in that heart space, being present and connecting with, collaborating with, right? Like sometimes there is no other way to do it, right? Say with the fossil fuel piece. And, and that's not inherently bad, but it's, the reasoning that we're coming, if we're doing it just for a profit, well, right, that's out of balance. If we're doing it uh, with more integrity, more intentionality, our intention is our superpower as humans, and we dismiss it so much. And that balance piece is inherent in everything in nature. And that's what we forget, right? Like I, I'm thinking about the rain dance piece, we want to do something. We want nature to do what we want it to do now instead of surrendering to, to the bigger plan, to the bigger balance of what's going on. And just making that shift 
of looking at balance in a bigger way can change everything for us, you know, and, and yeah. we've got this opportunity. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, you said earlier, oh, I wish we could be out in the woods having this, this conversation. Well, me too. And when we look at the population, far more people are living in the concrete jungles. They're in the cities, they're in the high rises, and they don't necessarily have the same access. And that's okay too, right? Like, again, it's balanced. There's things all over the place, but it doesn't mean that they can't connect to nature Yeah. because, you know, all the neuroscience has shown us that when we visualize, we actually have the experience and our brain can't tell the difference, Mm -hmm. right? Like there are athletes who will visualize and change their performance because their body then gets this message and creates a blueprint to, to, do that task. And so even if we can't, right, like I can go out into the national forest right now, a million acres of it, easy peasy. But you know, if I was up in Denver, I might have to drive a little bit, but I can even just visualize a time that I had in nature an experience that I had in nature. And I'm going to receive all that good stuff that happens right from my own chemicals in my body that are being released to that bigger connection, right on a more cosmic kind of level, let's say, to where we remember our consciousness, we remember our connection, and we come inherently into a new kind of balance with everything. Mm. I have uh, a, 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 an interesting, uh, let's see if I can bring this up here, because uh, I want to share this with you. I think that this is is very appropriate, if, if it will allow me. Um, to bring up these lyrics of this particular song that is near and dear to my heart. And no, I don't want this in there. Get out of there. Um, We're talking as I'm bringing this up. uh, And of course, I quote this all, I'm sorry, all the frickin' time. Okay. Um, I quote this gentleman all the time. Um... If I can find the specific, here it is, here it is. This is from a song entitled, All of My Memories. And this goes to what you were just, what we have just been talking about. Because I'm tired of big cities and so tired of big city ways. Scratching off sunsets and walking around in the maze. Some sweet taxi dancer trying to save me from being alone. Ah, it's much worse than lonely. There's no place I really belong. I want to be home. I'm leaving the city life. And by night, I'm flying away. I'm leaving tomorrow and all of the old yesterdays. I'm leaving the trash cans, the bright lights, and telephone lines. I'm leaving my sorrow and all of my memories to see what I find. And... Most people are going to know, yes, Richard, I, I know you like John Denver. That's one of his songs, All of My Memories. But he was a big proponent, which is why he lived in Aspen, why he created Windstar and all of the different things that he did. And he still lives through me because I still love his music. I love the words that he speaks about the natural world, the eagle and the hawk. What a fabulous song that is i wish i could still hit those high notes <laughs> that <he does laughs> in that song. but you know 
I know that my wife has said this about her own passing. She says, I do not want to be cremated and I do not want to be buried in a wooden box. I want to be placed in the ground all natural. Just let my body, which is not really me, just return, as the Bible says, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. And I know that man has all these regulations. Oh, my God, you can't do this and you can't do that. And it's like, yeah, and if I find a place out in nature that I can dig a hole six feet deep and I can place her in the ground the way she wants, then who's going to know? You know, until the developers come to that area and decide <laughs> we're going to build a hotel and we're going to build gas stations. And then they end up digging her up. Well, they aren't digging her up. That's just the vehicle that she left behind. That's all, you know, and and billions. And if not, I don't know how many. I don't know if the number is up in the trillions yet of human beings that have existed on the planet. And maybe it's still in the billions, hundreds of billions. Their body, their bones everywhere. What are you going to do? You're going to pass out citations? Who are you going to arrest? Who are you going to find? You know, going back tens of thousands of years. The natural world is, oh my God, it, 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 it brings tears to my eyes not to think of what we're doing to the natural world. It brings tears to my eyes with a little piece of the natural world that I live in up above Santa Barbara. <laughs> Uh, in the in the front country and in the foothills and in the back country near the lake, Lake Kachuma, and other areas that are there for us. You and you have those massive mountains called the Continental Divide, the Rocky Mountains. Uh, I do have to share this. <laughs> my best friend and I, who I have known, oh my God, I love saying this. I've known him for 50 years. I'm 61. I've known him for 50 years. I love saying that. We took a trip to Kansas and we, uh, of course, went through New Mexico and Texas and up through Oklahoma. When we crossed the Continental Divide, the sign was there. And uh, we had this, uh, a running gag between the two of us, an inside joke, uh, when we got across and into Texas. <laughs> uh, we were chatting there, having lunch at a rest stop. And I said, yeah, and this is the first time I've been across the Continental Divide. Of course, when we went home back to Phoenix, I couldn't say that anymore because now it was the second time I'd been across the Continental Divide. <laughs> but you've got some just gorgeous country there. I've seen, and I love what CBS Sunday Morning does at the end with their nature. And they show these gorgeous places. There are some beautiful green places in the south. I would never live in the south because I can't stand the humidity and the heat. I had enough of that in Phoenix. But you go north, you know, a beautiful country. The fall, the colors of the leaves turning. Even in Washington, D.C., where those cherry blossom trees were planted, that is just so gorgeous. There's just so And then other parts of the world. Ireland. I've been to Ireland. You talk about 40 shades of green. Oh, I mean, just lay me down in the field, okay? Um, you know, and put up, a, put up a stone fence around me. And you Irish who are true, 100% Irish, you know how to build a stone fence without any mortar. And it won't <laughs> fall down. 
Um, there's so many places, so many places. And when you talked earlier, just a moment ago, actually, about how the brain doesn't know the difference when you imagine, you close your eyes and you imagine that you're there, you're there. The brain says, oh, you're there. And I think about that when talking about people participating in the decade of perfect vision, going within. Tell me about your intuition. How, when did you first really connect and realize, ah, this, this is a, a part of me. It, this is an important part of me. I, I need to listen to this, this voice and then encourage others to do the same. Yeah, you know, I'd love to say I, I was a little toddler running around, you know, reading, talking to animals and stuff, but it wasn't like that. I, I mean, I had some interesting mystical experiences here or there, but in, in our family, in the growing up, in being raised the way that I was, it wasn't, you know, there was more chaos, other things going on. Uh, so it wasn't until, you know, decades later, flash forward, you know, and, and I went through a huge life tsunami, right, where the shit hits the fan, and everything apparently or seemingly starts to fall apart. And so through that, I knew I was going to have to rebuild my life, right? You know, you lose the partner, you lose the, the job, you lose the home, you lose the, you know, even one of my soul animals crossed over. And mm. I was like, oh, there you are like Job, right? Sitting on a pile of ashes going, what the heck? And I thought, you know, I did everything that I was supposed to do. You know, I followed all the rules and, and I did everything. You know, I got the degrees. I, I got, you know, I had the, the marriage and I had the job and, and it still all fell apart. Mm. So now... I, I need to move forward on this and I want to create a life based on what lights me up. And my biggest, the biggest push for me was connecting with animals. Cause I love, you know, like your wife, I, Oh my goodness. You know, I, if I was just surrounded by animals, I wouldn't be any happier. Right. And so, but I couldn't right? like, I, I, I understood their body language, their behavior, but I wouldn't say that I talked to them. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to take all these spiritual platitudes that I've been taught and I'm going to take them into my living laboratory and I'm going to test them out. And it's either true, this stuff, you know, mm -hmm. law of attraction and all this, or it's a bunch of malarkey just designed to make me feel better till I finally die. Right. And so I took it in to my listening. I took it into my living laboratory and I had a teacher who encouraged me to spend 30 days with a tree go out every day, put my hands on the tree, sit under the tree, whatever it's going to be. But for 30 days, do that. And I went out and I did it. And, you know, even as big of a nature girl, I was even before trees started talking to me, I felt really silly, right? Like, I'm like, I don't even know if I'm putting my hands in an inappropriate place. I don't know where your mouth is. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here. But I brought that authenticity, right? Like, I feel like a weirdo. I don't know what I would do if somebody walked up and saw me doing this. I, I don't know. And for the first few weeks, nothing really happened, right? So I was like, well, this is kind of a wasted time. Mm. And there, somewhere in the fourth week, I was in the house. I had already visited with the tree. I was in the house, and I asked one of those questions out loud, right? You're kind of talking to yourself, but out loud. And I heard audibly an answer. And it felt like the answer came from outside, from the tree, and I was like, well, that doesn't seem possible. <laughs> and so I asked, I was like, was that you? And I got a yes. And I was like, I don't understand how any of this, how this works. And my human mind, right, immediately went to, 
well, I don't want to sound ungrateful, but I don't know what to do with a talking tree, right? Like I asked to talk to animals. So somehow my order got mixed up and the tree, like it felt like a chuckle and it said, well, that will come. You're calibrating your energy. And sure enough, within six weeks, I started having profound experiences with animals uh, and communicating two-way communication with them. And it all started because I spent the time out in nature, you know, even feeling silly, feeling stupid, feeling like I'm paying a lot of money to this coach who sent me out to talk to a tree. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, all the human thoughts that come through. And it, I really put that tree, her name was Ruby and she, she turned out to be a red pine, which when I asked her what was her name and what kind of tree she was, I was like, that's a little too on the nose. Right. And, but I verified all of it and everything else she shared with me, I was able to verify and that started it. And that's what started my passion of feeling like the poster child. If I can do it right, you know, anybody can do it. Cause you know, it, it's not like my parents were always like, Oh, that's our weirdo animal talker girl or anything. It wasn't like that at all. It seemed fairly normal growing up, but to remember that we have this connection and that all of us as humans were inherently wired to do that. And that's what the book's about. It's to remind us that this is going on. This is how, you know, this is the mechanics in the natural world and the energetics. Here's other people's stories to give you some examples of what's possible. And then I give people exercises. So if you're resonating with this, this conversation at all, simple, easy exercises that you can do to make your own connection and have your own mystical experiences, right? Like we're all looking for guidance. Another thing the trees have said is you humans, you spend so much time asking, please help me. Please show me a sign. Yada, yada, yada. And we spend very little time listening <laughs> for an actual answer, right? Like it's just, it's so funny because we want nothing more than on-demand guidance, but we won't shut up to get it. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Yes, indeed. It's the old story about how the guy was up on the roof during a flood and and this was sent and that was sent and the other thing was sent and the guy dies and goes before God and he says, you know, God, before you get into your thing, what the heck, man? I, I was out there and I was drowning and uh, the waters were rising and, and you didn't do anything. So what are you talking about? I sent you this and that and the other thing and you didn't you didn't get on. What the heck do you think I'm supposed to do? You know? <laughs> yes, exactly. We're talking with Ana Marie Vasquez. We're talking about her work, the work that she is doing with the book that we are talking about, Nature, Divine Experiences with Trees, Plants, Stones, and Landscapes. Intentiontraining.com. Intentiontraining.com is the website. And uh, Anna, Anna Marie, it's Anna Marie Vasquez, who is a well-known multi-sensory animal and nature intuitive, founder of the Intention Training uh, Master Teacher and Sacred You Instructor. We're going to find out about that as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it's a pleasure to continue our conversation with our very special guest, Anna Marie Vasquez. Anna, first of all, uh, explain, if you could, please, what is the sac what is sacred you? And it's, it has nothing to do with a sheep, if I'm not, if I'm correct. <laughs> you are right on with that. So sacred you is the, um, 
Courses division of Sacred Stories Media, who is the publisher of my book and the Common Sentience series and, and many, many other books. Actually, Bernie Siegel, his grandson or his son, um, all of those. So definitely a great place. They bring in different luminaries, and I'm honored to be one of their featured luminaries and one of their teachers as well. So Sacred You, right? It's all about sharing our stories and because that creates the remembering for us. So I was honored when they approached me, told me about this project. We were talking about mystical experiences and the different ways you can have them, right? Whether it's with the animals, with the angels, with meditation, with nature, with sound. So whatever way you resonate with, right? We're going to have a group of stories to be able to share, to help you go deeper, right? We're, we're all wired to have these experiences but part of our wiring is where we feel the most called right mm. for some people it's like oh my gosh she's talking trees and rocks she's my people <laughs> other people are like oh angels well i love angels i can totally go there but there's all of these ways that we can connect to the divine to universal consciousness whatever you want to call it through you know to me the animals in nature act as a portal to mm -hmm. that it lets me get out of my head it lets me shush that lower mind that wants to know why 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 like the two-year-old you know pulling on your on your arm and it lets me transcend that and receive the guidance whether it's for myself whether it's for a client uh to hear that like you said hear that still small voice that to me is the beauty of nature because there's all these voices telling us this is important this is important this is important and if you're ever in self-doubt or you're unsure, get out in nature mm. because you're going to distill down to your still small voice and you're going to hear that one over all of the other ones. And that, I think, is something that all of us need more in our lives so that we feel that connection and we feel that guidance and we can move forward with greater certainty. Mm. There was an Indian, uh, an India Indian uh, scientist back in, I think it was the 1930s, by the name of Jagadish Chandra Bose. And you can read about him in the Autobiography of a Yogi. And he developed a device called the Crescograph. The Crescograph was a machine, a device that he would hook up to plants that would measure their turgor pressure, the equivalent of our blood pressure. And he would use chloroform as the uh, element to influence, if you will, or affect the plant. He would move the chloroform close, and the turgor pressure would drop. He would move it away, and the turgor pressure would go up. And what it did was it proved that plants are living, maybe not in our context, sentient, creatures, if you will. Uh, and so that then raised the question for me, especially when it came to, uh, especially when it came to uh, uh, people who are vegetarian, uh, who, who uh, don't eat meat, don't eat uh, uh, any products or byproducts from uh, living animals or uh, insects and what have you. Okay, now what are you going to do? Now that we've proven that plants are living beings, if you will, uh, maybe they have souls. Maybe that is also part of the reincarnation process where, you know what, I'm going to come back as a, as a blue spruce next time. 
I'm just going to stand there and I'm going to watch the world all around me and experience the, the weather and just have a grand time standing in one spot for 100 or 200 years <laughs> and that kind of thing. Um, so science at that early stage in the 30s was proving that plants, trees, and all of that stuff, they are alive. Do you actually pick up any conscious messages, if you will, intuitive insights, etc., etc., uh, from, let's just say, we've got Ben, our big pine tree out here, uh, that you could actually pick up from Ben uh, where he's coming from. I'm hoping that he's enjoying the, the water that we have been giving him for 15, 16 years and that kind of thing. And I'm not saying you could pick up, well, you probably could from even from Colorado. But uh, talk to us a little bit about that conversation. Uh, and I'm just going to throw this last thing in here. Just remember what Yule Gibbons said. And I grew up listening to hearing Yule Gibbons, especially in the Grape Nuts commercials. Just remember, many parts of a tree are edible. Um, so what about, what about the communication, the actual, from your experience, communication with the, the plants and the trees and, and so forth? Yeah, you know, it, it is. And I, all my work is done remote, right? I rarely have to be in person. I don't ever have to be in person because it's an energetic signature, right, that I'm connecting to mm -hmm. in the morphogenetic field. And I have to tell you, Ben is overjoyed, right, like with the water, because before that, you know, before the 15 years, it wasn't. It was more hit or miss, right? But now you guys do your laundry on a regular basis <laughs> for yeah. the most part. And that experience, the there's different personalities, right? Just like with people. Mm -hmm. So there are times that trees are more stoic. I have to tell you, Ben actually has a younger kind of personality. You know, sometimes some of the older pines that I connect with, it feels more like a grandparent, but I got to tell you, Ben feels more like a young adult kind of energy, mm. uh, which will typically correlate with a couple different things. First, the age, but also, like you said, the soul contract that's there. You know, is Ben a young soul? Is he an old soul? It just kind of depends. And then based on what's going on in that area, right? Uh, here in Colorado, we've got Red Rocks Amphitheater, which is a beautiful place to see outdoor mm. music. You can mm -hmm. fit about 10,000 people. But besides these huge red rocks, right, that are holding up the sides and creating these amazing acoustics, they have these uh, trees, um, I believe, I'm not sure if they're, there's some kind of a, a pine kind of tree that's there and connecting with them. They are so happy because they're with humans when they're at their best, right? We're dancing, we're singing, we're enjoying, and they get to feel that. And you feel a connection and, and, and it feels very, um, very strong and very, almost like when you have an attraction with an, another human you'll kind of feel that with a tree and you're like, well, I don't know if this is a boy tree or a girl tree, what's going on here? But it's an energy that comes through. Yeah. And so with Ben in, in particular, it feels, he feels so much more playful, right? Like yeah. I, I really want to, you know, just kind of be silly with him, hang out. And so the more that you guys can do uh, around him, you know, even have a little dance party outside, bring your music outside, mm. bring, play some John Denver. Oh my God, I've never met a tree that doesn't love John Denver. <laughs> <laughs> you know, play that. Uh, the more fun that you can have around him, 
Um, in fact, I'm thinking about a story in the book where a woman um, had to sell her house and she was talking to one of her trees and they, the tree begged her, please just make sure it's somebody that loves trees and, and will want to talk with me. And sure enough, as the story went on, this couple came through mm. and the first thing they said is we want to go out in the yard and see the trees. And they knew right away. Well, oh. she goes, once she connects to that tree, th this is the person. So it, it reminds me too, you know, like to have a knowingness and to know that I had talked to trees but to experience the science, right? Like I love hanging out in that sweet spot where science meets spirituality because it can confirm, acknowledge some things. And, and you talked about um, the yogi who was doing that in, in the 20s and 30s, there were a lot of different uh, studies done on plant consciousness. And then flash forward, there's a community in Northern um, Italy called Dom and Her, and they've studied plant consciousness, plant intelligence since the 70s. And they actually were able to, and I ha I'm fortunate enough to have one of these devices where you hook it up, you put a probe in the ground where the roots are, and then you clip onto a leaf or a branch, and it reads the bioenergetic field of oh. the plant, and it translates it into musical tones. Because what it turns out that plants are emitting this song, this frequency mm -hmm. all the time, but we don't hear it. It's outside of our audible range. So at first it's like, okay, so you can hear this, but I've been witness to a plant that was hooked up to this machine and a vocalist and the vocalist would sing a series of notes and the plant would mimic note for note, talk about psh, mind blown. It's one thing to just hear a field and the researchers who developed this, what they said is the plant realizes right away that it is affecting those, those sounds. And eventually it learns, right? There are musicians who work with plants and the plant starts to learn how to pick out different notes. And I personally, when I first got the machine, I was so excited and I couldn't wait to share it. We had a little sagebrush out right outside of our, you know, right outside our door. And so I was doing a live broadcast and, and I had the plant, you know, hooked up. I asked originally, I said, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to share this, your song with them. And this plant was going to town. It would, I had to actually like turn it down because I had to talk <laughs> first. Right. And then as soon as I introduced it and I said, here's the plant and I go turn it on, it goes silent. And I'm like, what? What's going on? It was like a little two-year-old, you know, like they're dancing, dancing, dancing. And then all of a sudden someone comes in, you're like, oh, show them your dance. And they hide behind you. Right. And so we had to hurry up and hook it up to a different plant who was a little bit older. And, and but that little plant had stage fright, yeah. right? Like you start to interact differently when you realize that it's not just a one-way thing. There's a two-way conversation that can be happening here. And it makes you start to think, very differently about everything that's going on. And the whole natural world is waiting for the humans to remember these things. And hopefully they don't have to wait too long. Yeah, uh, let's hope. And, and the other aspect of it too is that we have seen evidence of this uh, by people who have actually tried this. They will take one plant, they'll be identical plants basically. And they will take one plant and they will just speak love and play the kinds of music and this and that and the other thing. And then the other plant, they are just mean as hell too. They'll still water it, but they're just the words, the, the energy. And the first plant just flourishes and just goes crazy. And the other plant just kind of withers. Now, 
you can't tell me that there isn't something there, folks. This is not woo-woo stuff. This is scientifically proven. I wish I could remember the name of the scientist, the Japanese scientist who did this. Dr. Did Emoto. Emoto with the crystal, with the, uh, with the water and the crystals. And he did the same kind of thing with different vibrations, different emotions, different words, and so on and so forth. We affect everything. I was... <clears throat> I was watching a program not long ago that was reinforcing, but it was on a galactic level, our connectedness. We were actually watching this one episode of um, Star Trek, I think it was uh, Discovery. It's the newer series that's on uh, CBS, on Paramount. And um, the entity that they, they came across was using this particular device they had created to do whatever it was they were doing. But it was creating havoc, and it was destroying worlds. And they made first contact. Rather than coming guns blazing, they went in with a humble heart, and they, they found a way to communicate with it. They created a translator and so forth. And the entity realized what it had been doing. This is not what they wanted to do. And they said, well, stop. We're going we're gonna to shut it all down, okay? And it's like, hello, how much, you know, uh, what does this take? I've watched other programs where, I, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. It's uh, Batman versus Superman. Uh, I, I, and I'm, spoiler alert, I'm going to reveal how this movie ends. Okay, folks? <laughs> Um, apparently at the front end of the movie, they're friends, but something happens. I don't know if it's a conversation or an action or what the rest of the movie is about them battling each other over what happened at the beginning of the movie. Then at the last 15 minutes of the movie, they finally stopped, not exactly exhausted, but it was like, okay, we can't seem to beat each other. And they start talking and they realize it was like, well, uh, you know, you, you, uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm throwing this in. I don't know if this is the way it was. You said something about my mother. Okay. <laughs> so, well, oh, I, okay. Well, I didn't mean to, to, to say something disrespectful about your mom. And that, I mean, this is, kind of, so they, they, they dialogued and in, in a matter of speaking, they finally, when it wrapped up, they shook hands. All right. And they were friends again. And I'm thinking, why the hell didn't they do that at the beginning of the movie? The reason? Because it would have been a 20-minute movie and nobody would have gone to see it. Uh, no drama, no excitement. I get that. <laughs> I understand that. But I see more and more programs like that where uh, the last ship, where the virus swept the planet and they're out on the ocean and so forth, and there's this island that the Navy vessel came to and the people on the island started shooting at them. And it, it wasn't until they killed everybody but the leader, and they captured the leader, took him on board the ship, and they floated away from the island. And then he began to tell them that, hey, you people came on the island, and you gave us a fake vi uh, uh, vaccine, and, and it made everybody sick, and da 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 Well, that wasn't us. That wasn't us. Instead, if they had landed on the island and not fired a shot and tried to get them to stop firing at them... And saying, hey, wait, 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 wait. What's, what's the deal here? What, what's the issue? Let's talk. Again, it would have been a five-minute episode and nobody would have watched. <laughs> but in the real world, we're still doing that. I mean, I, when, when the knucklehead that starts with a P decided to invade Ukraine, 
the first thought that went through my mind, and it was this, 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 I don't, it wasn't self-righteous. It was not ego driven, but this energy came into me. I want to get a, I want to get a ticket to Moscow. I'm going to land in Moscow. I'm going to the Kremlin. I'm going in. You're not stopping me. I'm going to grab that little nutball by the ears and say, uh, uh-uh, this is not how we do things in the 21st century. You are yes. done. Permanent timeout in the gulag in Siberia. Okay. That's where you are going to live. We don't do this anymore. Okay, there is no person that's going to do this in this century or any century into the future. We have learned from our history that this is not how we want. And and it's like, yeah, that's going to happen. I'm going to I'm going to do that. Sure, I am. I'll send the energy out. Somebody will. I don't want him killed. Okay, that is that is counter to what this program is all about in the first place. New paradigms for a new world, finding those new ways of living. I'm not saying we're going to change his mind, okay, any more than I would have asked Donald Trump, what is it that makes you so afraid that you behave and speak this way? I'm not asking you to change. I just want to understand so I can move on with my life. And believe it or not, I love you. You're a fellow human being. You have every right to be here like the rest of us, and so on and so on and so on. We have got to collectively get together and say, enough. This is not how we're doing this anymore. And there's a part of me, I've seen some other movies where the plants have actually, and the animals, basically rise up. I've seen a few of those science fiction movies. Now, it's in the future considerably uh, down the road, but nonetheless. And it's like, all right, come on, let's do it. Or the aliens come and I'm saying, would you, I'm here, take me. I'm done. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm done. Nobody's listening. So uh, maybe I'll come back later when they've calmed down and we can have a dialogue you know, or something. But we've got to find another way. We really do. And I think that our natural world is that way. And uh, what you're doing is a wonderful thing. And we're so appreciative of the work that you're doing uh, as well. I want to talk a little bit more about the uh, intention training as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and we're talking with Ana Maria, Ana Maria Vasquez. Her book is Nature, and uh, we hope that you'll get a copy at intentiontraining.com. Tell, talk to us about this intention training. I know what the word means. And by the way, I did. I, I like. I kind of like this. Sacred U. Sacred University. Yes. Does uh, SU have a football team yet? I'm just kidding. What about the intention training? Right. So that intention to me, that's everything. You know, I said it earlier. It's our superpower as humans. We dismiss it. But our intention, which equals thought plus feeling, which is why it's so important that we're authentic and honest about whatever's coming up, whatever emotion, right? That energy in motion. And so it was central to me uh, to put that intention first, right? Whether I'm coaching someone just on life issues, whether I'm connecting with their sick dog or cat, or whether I'm talking to their rose bush, you know, whatever it is, it's that intention, and bringing that conversation, right? Again, whether it's with another human, whether it's with another energy of some sort, intention and retraining ourselves because our humanness, right? We want to go off. We want to, you know, give it back to them the way they gave it to us. Yeah. And, you know, that's just more of the same old thing. And we're just going to create more of the same old thing. But when we train our brain, our energetic system to be intentional, to bring that whole life consciousness to the forefront, 
we move forward in a different way. We be with other people, with other animals, with other plants, with other entities even, in a different way. And that to me is crucial and central to everything, which is why remembering our connection through nature can be so profound within our own lives, but in our communities. And, and of course, worldwide, like you said, we don't do that anymore in this century. Like what the hell are you thinking? But clearly some people still do. (laughs) And so the message hasn't gotten out there, but we, you know, aside from, you know, your plan about traveling over there, sometimes we can feel like what else can we do? But we know Let's look for the violence within ourselves. Where do I still want to behave like that? Where do I want to still, you know, give it to them the way that they're doing it? You know, we see this in the animal world a lot. Those of us who love animals, we hear about someone who's doing them wrong. And what do we want to do? We want to do that same thing to them. Well, you know what? That's creating more of that energy on this planet. We can't. We're not going to change anything by doing that. So anyone, you know, hurt people, hurt people. So we're not going to send hate to them. We need to send more love. We need to send ourselves more love. We need to be love on a bigger level so that that can overflow and create those ripples and begin to change people's yeah. minds and hearts. I think that's that's a great message to, to send out to folks. Uh, and we're not trying to usurp anybody's free will. We get that. Uh, we, we fully understand that we're not here to usurp uh, Trump's or Putin's or anybody else's free will. You want to behave that way? That is fine. But when you start to usurp someone else's free will... That's when you've crossed the line. You are violating, uh, what the hell? You are violating the prime directive of non-interference, okay? <laughs> and, uh, and we need to, we need to uh, work through that. Intentiontraining.com is the website, website. Ana Maria Vasquez is my guest. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. This is Tell Me Your Story. And this program is here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., as well as our special edition of Tell Me Your Story, Wednesdays at 9 a.m. And we hope that you will listen to those as you can when they are broadcast at richarddugan.com, where we stream those programs live. And we also have podcasts. At SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations as I inhale a big old lungful of oxygen there. I'm not taking it away from anybody else. Um, and we also have video casts. Yes, YouTube. Tell me your story, Richard Dugan. That's where you'll be able to watch and subscribe. You can subscribe to the podcast. You can subscribe to the video cast. We hope that you will. We also hope that you'll support us financially. We have a PayPal account. It's for your security as well as ours. And we hope that you will do what you can to help us out to keep this work moving forward. Uh, I worked for Christian Station for many years, uh, Anna, and um, oh, they used the tactic, if you don't support us, we're going off the air. Ah, we'll never do that. If I can't afford to keep doing this, then that's what's going to happen. But I would never put that on on anybody else. All we're asking for is your support uh, so we can continue to move forward. And if we can't, then we don't. We'll find another way. I guarantee you we will make this uh, a continuation. I've got another 39 to 40 plus years to live, okay? That's my plan. My great-grandmother lived on my mother's side of the family, lived to be 100. And I was telling people when she was 95 I was going to outlive her, but she was making it really hard. Uh, so here I am, 61, uh, 39 plus years to go. 
uh, continuing to carry uh, my uh, my sister's legacy, my sister Jeanette's legacy uh, forward as she uh, moves forward in her existence as an immortal being an immortal soul, as we all are. This is just, this is just, uh, you know, I'm going to get some dents in here, and I'll scratch the paint and so forth, and, and eventually the motor will run out, and I'll trade it in for a newer model. That'll be kind of cool, uh, and we'll look forward to that. Also, uh, if you can support us, as I was saying, we have a PayPal account. It's for your security as well as ours. When you go to send, it's going to ask you for an email address to whom it shall be sent to. How do you like that? Richard at RichardDugan.com. Richard at RichardDugan.com. And participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, as we go within in that still, quiet, calm, peaceful place to listen to that still, small voice. Or, and or, go grab that tree by the trunk and listen, listen hard. Because that tree, that plant, whatever it is, the grass under your feet, it's got a message for you. I guarantee you, you're going to love that message. And with that, we are going to move into a phase that I like to call the game show portion of our program. It's called a rapid fire round where we ask three final questions of all of our guests. You may have answered them a little bit during the program, but I like to ask them directly. And the first of those three questions is, who is Ana Maria Vasquez? Well, she is walking around in this meat suit in this lifetime <laughs> and talking to people, talking to trees. Uh, I am that go-to nature girl, right? Like I am never happier than when I am hair unbrushed, dirt under my fingernails, out in the woods, right? With the horses, with my dog, with <laughs> right hair unbrushed. <laughs> yes. Not me. That, yeah, that time, you know, I'm a huge music lover, whether it's music of the plants or, you know, blues, R&B, uh, old country, whatever it may be. But that connection, connecting mm. with people, connecting with animals, connecting with plants. Nothing makes me happier than these connections. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? For me, it's about helping people remember, right? Because it's inherent. We're all wired to do this, but we don't remember this connection. And we feel alone and we feel helpless and hopeless and my intention is to help people remember this connection. And finally, what is your life's purpose? Oh, my goodness. I am at my heart that guardian of the natural world, right? Like everything. I want to speak on their behalf. I want to stand up for them. I want to engage people in conversation so that they can remember that piece uh, everything that I do, that I be, uh, the way I move through my life is remembering that connection. Mm -hmm. Ana Maria Vasquez, thank you again for giving us so much time, sharing with us your story and the work that you are doing uh, to connect with the natural world and to help us to reconnect with the natural world and uh, i will uh today uh when i get home i will go out to ben and uh, i will uh, say hello on your behalf 
give him a hug and uh, see what I can uh, gather uh, from what he has to say in that regard. And of course, we make the assumption that Ben is a male. Uh, I don't think that there's any, although I know that there are male and female plants because sometimes it's the male that gives the fruit, sometimes it's the female. It all depends upon how that all works out. But uh, all I know is that he has been, he has been there. Uh, we've seen the phases that he has gone through. And um, it's, it's just remarkable to watch the plants and trees growing around us. We had an oak tree that was just the smallest little thing when we first moved there. And now the thing is, is rivaling the tree, the oak tree that's right next to it. It's like you can't even tell where one tree begins and the other tree ends because their limbs are so intertwined. It's just, it's beautiful. But I thank you again for joining us here on the program. This has been a real pleasure. And I hope we can have you back again to talk more about the work that you're doing. Thank you. I, I'm so grateful for platforms like this, right, that bring us back to what's important. So thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for engaging in a really great conversation. And hopefully it created some huh and ahas for people. And if if they resonate with this conversation, they're going to love the book. I invite you, you know, it's available worldwide wherever books are sold. <laughs> Nature, divine experiences with trees, plants, stones, and landscapes. Thank you again you are for very a wonderful welcome. time. And we encourage you to pick up a copy of Nature, Divine experience with trees, plants, stones, and landscapes. It's available, of course, through her uh, website as well as Amazon. Intentiontraining.com is her website. We'll be linked to it as well. And I want to thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, new paradigms for a new world as we give you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to love.